Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Man, it's good to be here. It's good to see you guys. Uh, Yeah. So Thursday was uh, three weeks after my last surgery, my knee surgery, knee replacement surgery. And uh, so that's, that's just making progress, right? Making progress. That's what we do. And uh, it was great to be here last week, but it's great to be preaching and sharing the word with you today and, and spending time in God's word. And uh, what I'm going to be sharing about today is the word of the year for 2024. We always pray. Uh, I pray and seek the Lord. Lord, what do you want to emphasize for this congregation, for Calvary Community Church for this coming year? And uh, I seek the, the input of elders and, and our staff and other people, and I work on that and pray and, and, and seek the Lord. And our desire as a church, we want to respond to the current wind words of the Holy Spirit. We want to be a church that is tuned in to God's prophetic impulses. And so uh, today, I believe that the Lord has given us a word for this year, and the word is convergence, reaching others with the love of God. Reaching others with the love of God, but that word convergence is an important word for us. So Lord, as we spend time together in your word and considering what you're saying to us as a congregation, I pray you'll speak to our hearts I pray you'll engage us with your profound anointing and wisdom. Lord, I pray that you'd give us a grace not just to hear a word, but to respond to your current word. Lord, we pray in our lives that we will make progress this year in reaching others with the love of God. In our families, in our spheres of influence, in our assignments, in the places where we live, work, and play. God, I am asking for my life, I am asking for our lives that you would speak to us and that by your spirit, you would equip us and energize us and compel us to share the love of God this year in new ways and fresh ways. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So the word is convergence, reaching others with the love of God. And this is our group identity. We are a people who want to reach others with the love of God. We are a people who want to reach others with the love of God. Now, our word that we're responding to comes from a prophetic word. You remember this fall, Wayne Drain came and ministered here. And back on November the 4th, he gave a prophetic word. And our job as leaders are to test those words and we're to pray through those words and we're to seek the the Lord about those words. And in my notes, uh, I actually have uh, the word typed in there, but I want to read it to you and I want you to have that context as we consider the word of the Lord for this year. Wayne Drain said, as I prayed for you, I had a picture of a three-wheeled bike. It was crafted to be sturdy and strong, even made to go fast. I noticed that it was going more slowly than it was made for. I saw that two wheels were strong, but the third wheel was slightly smaller in size. The bike was strong enough to ride, but had a slight leaning to it. So it took more effort to move forward. It was actually easy to go in a circle. So only the strong could ride this bike and make progress. 
I asked the Lord what he was showing me. And I heard that Calvary Church was made to be a multi-generational, multicultural, and a multiplying church. I sense God's pleasure in this church, in the way you worship and pray, in your heart to serve together as a family, in your love for the poor and the alien. These efforts all come up as sweet-smelling incense to the Lord. You have prayed for addition, and God has added to you. Addition is wonderful, but it's time to pray for and to believe for more. I see a season for pressing into the Lord as a praying and worshiping family. At the same time, it's a season for pressing out toward a season of multiplication. I asked the Lord what the wills were. The two stronger wills are your multi-generational and multicultural identity. The smaller will is multiplication of souls saved, baptisms in water and the spirit. No doubt you've heard it said the Great Commission is not a great suggestion. Everyone who calls themselves a disciple of Jesus has been given the same commission. Remember, it's a co-mission with the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised he would be with us always. He knows that the first door we've got to go through is our own. But each time we do, we will find Jesus waiting there. As you lean into a season of praying, believing, and witnessing for people to be saved, multiplication will come quickly. As I prayed for your church, I saw ministries being multiplied through your equipping and impartation. I saw finances being multiplied as people gave themselves to generosity. I saw people being trained up to share their testimonies. And the giving of the good news was bringing in multiplication. And I saw faith overcoming fear to release multiplication in this house and other houses of God you will influence with the good news of the kingdom, both near and far, from neighbors to nations. Isn't that a great word? Multiplication, reaching others with the love of God. I believe that God gives prophetic words to help us to become whole and healthy in every way. When God gives a prophetic word, it's an invitation, right? It won't happen unless we respond accordingly, appropriately to what the Lord has said. So this word from Wayne Drain, who's a prophet of the Lord, is an invitation from the Lord to grow as individuals and as a congregation. And we are invited, you and I are invited to feel what God feels for others and to reach others with his amazing, astounding love. Now, the word multiplication is a word that means a lot to me, but in our culture, it carries some baggage. Multiplication carries the baggage of the church growth movement where back in the, uh, the 50s and earlier than that, there was a, a thing to get the church outside of itself and outside of its walls, and it, it was known as the church growth movement. Its goal was to help reach people with the love of God. But an unintended consequence of the church growth movement was in our enterprising culture called America, we took on church growth as an enterprise. We took on church growth as our assignment. We took on church growth as we will grow the church and the goal of the church was to grow numerically. And so 
that was just some unintended consequences. Anytime you start to bring correction and newness, right? You get information, then you begin to practice and you reflect on that practice and you need to change. Well, unfortunately, we got the information. We need the church to grow. We're not reaching people with the love of God. We stepped out and we began to do practices to grow the church and left to ourselves, we can do a lot, amen? We can grow things on our own. I'm actually a part of an anonymational background that knows how to grow churches and to build churches. I mean, we started our first, our, our first service here at Calvary Community Church in 1982. We had 175 people at our first service because three of us knocked on 10,000 doors for two weeks before the start of the church because we know how to grow the church. Now, the problem with that is what you grow, you've got to sustain. And so that led to burnout. And you know our history, especially as you've been through our Discover Calvary class. And we talk about what happened in 1985. God brought everything to a screeching halt because he didn't want us to see what we could do. He wanted us to see what he could do. And so he wanted his church back. And so there's always this tension, right? We get, a, we get the information, we get the prophetic word, and we're going to make it happen. And so what we want to do is, uh, instead of using the word multiplication, which for me is an inspiring word and a good word, I want to avoid that baggage. That's why we chose the word convergence. Convergence. The word convergence is the act or the state of interacting with others. It's a meeting where ideas and views can be exchanged. So remember, what we believe at Calvary is Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is Lord of the church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he actually said, I will build my church. What we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be extending the kingdom of God in the earth. We're partnering with Jesus in what he is doing locally and globally. And what we believe is if we'll do our part, he will do his part. And we're going to grow the kingdom of God. And we're going to be a part of seeing Calvary grow in every way. You heard the prophetic word was growing financially and numerically and all the other ways too. And so we want to be a people that are whole and healthy. We want to be a healthy body for the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be a beautiful bride for Christ our King. And so we want to be a people who reach others with the love of God. So convergence. We want to create an atmosphere of mutual connection, mutual sharing, mutual understanding. Because when I was growing up, we were taught to win people for Christ. And if they didn't respond to the gospel, write them off. Calvary, I want you to know people are not projects. People are not projects. If God puts somebody in your sphere of influence for you to love, you love them forever, until, right? You just keep loving them. Whether they do what you want them to do, whether they change and become what you want them to become, you love them and serve God's purposes in their lives. Amen? Otherwise, we treat people as this... Western culture, enterprise, project, you know, I move on to the next person. And so, you know, for some of us, it takes a long time for God to get our attention, right? Right? And, you know, so let's do our part. Let's partner with the Lord and let's, let's be the kingdom growth and the church growth that God wants us to be. In, in John chapter 4, we have an incredible picture 
of Jesus having a convergence experience with the woman at the well and then with his disciples and then with the whole town. In John chapter four, verse one to 42, this story of Jesus and the woman at the well is captivating. It's just electrifying for me because Jesus didn't use a technique Jesus didn't use just one strategy. Everybody that the Father brought into his sphere of influence, led by the Holy Spirit, it was a tailor-made encounter, wasn't it? And not everybody received Jesus. Not everybody responded believing. You know, the rich young ruler, rich young ruler went away sad, right? Because he could not do what Jesus was asking him to do. He could not. Jesus had a word of knowledge and put his finger on something that was more important in his life than God. And, and for him, it was money. And he couldn't give up money. And so, but Jesus still loved. And Jesus still pursued people under the leadership of his Father and the Holy Spirit. And so God calls us to interact with others, I believe, like Jesus has modeled for us. And, and John chapter 4 captures the heart of God to reach others with his love. And what Jesus shows us in John chapter 4 is how to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Now here's how not to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Back in 1996, we had an outpouring of the Spirit here called the refreshing. It started... Uh, in, in May of that year, and that it ended abruptly in November of that year. And it was just something that God was doing across the earth that literally was like, like an infection. It was contagious. And uh, we had some friends that went up to Toronto, to the airport vineyard there, and God was moving and God was working. And, and they would carry revival, awakening, and we call it refreshing, back to their churches where they served all across the earth. It was an amazing transference of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit began to do things in 1996. And you know, the truth is, uh, I really felt like, or was that 95? My brain, I had a gap. 95? Okay, I can't remember now. Uh, forgive me, I'm, I'm on meds. But, um, <laughs> no, 94, was this gonna be a new year? And, 95, 96. Okay, I'll figure that out later. But, um, but what happened was God began to move and, and I said there is nothing new that God could do at Calvary that would, that would blow people's minds because we had seen some incredible things as the Holy Spirit got poured out in our services and in our church starting all the way back in 87. But God began to do things during the refreshing that just blew people's minds. I mean, God was doing things and, and God was getting ready to touch people with his love and he wanted to break out of even the boxes. You know, we create new boxes. So we get used to what God is doing and we create a box and then God does something new and, and we think we've got him figured out. Well, even at Calvary, God had to blow up our boxes and he didn't just blow them up, he nuked them. And so it was a fascinating season in our lives and, and God was creating more capacity for him to do whatever he wants to do in our midst. Whatever he wants to do in our midst. Well, I want you to know, many of us, we journey in this life and we need God to break out of some of our boxes and how he thinks about us and how he wants to use us and how he's concerned for the people in our spheres of influence. And so that's a part of the challenge is we wanna stay in step with the Holy Spirit, whatever he's doing. 
and however he's moving in our lives. And so what I'd like to do is I'm going to read John chapter 4, verse 1 to 42. I'm going to comment on it later if I have time, but I want to read the passage just to give us the context, and then I'm going to share some ways that you and I can reach others with the love of God, reach others with the love of God. John chapter 4, verse 1, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came near to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman? How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him, he will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So Jesus said, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you're now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father <clears throat> neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And then the passage goes on. The disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or asked him, why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of town and they made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. 
Then his disciples said to each other, did someone else bring him food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me, Jesus said, and to finish his work. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you reap the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged Jesus to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we're no longer believing just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So here we have the example of Jesus. He's responding to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in his life. The father has directed him. Actually, Judea is in the south in the area of Palestine. Samaria is between uh, Judea and Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus is going. And Jews made it a point not to go through Samaria on their way. There's a lot of, we, we might have time to talk about the cultural reasons and all the differences there and in, even the dangers. But the Bible says that in John chapter four, verse four, Jesus says, I had to go that way. Why did he have to go that way? Because the father directed him. He was available to the father and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, God is amazing in this passage. Jesus, he didn't argue with the woman. He didn't attack her theology. He didn't, he didn't attack her. He just in, interacted with her in a very loving, tender way, reaching this one woman, and reaching this one woman resulted in her becoming the first evangelist to the Samaritans, and a whole town came to Jesus. That's God, amen? That's God. And so God has called you and me to reach others with his love, just like Jesus did. And you go, yeah, but Jesus is God, and he's fully human. And he taught us how to live as fully human, fully alive people, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, walking in union with the Father. We, he models for us how to live as we were supposed to live. So the reality is, if Jesus can do it, you can do it. Why? Well, you're advantaged today because Jesus lives in you if you're a follower of Christ. Amen? And you have the Holy Spirit living in you, walking with you, leading you, and you have God the Father directing your life as King of heaven and earth. You're advantaged. I'm advantaged. And so that, that excuse, I'm not here to argue we always go, yeah, that's Jesus. Jesus can do that. Jesus knows how to do that. Well, then let's not argue with that anymore. Since he lives in me, Jesus, and since you know how to do this, would you do it through me? Would you say that, Jesus, do it through me? <laughs> Jesus, do it through me. Jesus, do it through me. Mucho better. We want to interact with people effectively. So if we're going to interact with others effectively, we've got to feel what God feels for others. God loves people. 
God loves you. People are not a project. People are not a burden to God. Rather, he's gone to huge sacrificial links to touch people with his love, to redeem people, and to help people receive and experience his love. So God wants us, Calvary, to share his heart for others. God loves people. God gave his son so that we could know him and be a part of his eternal family. And God is hunting you and me and the people around us. He's hunting us down with his goodness and his love, according to Psalm 23. So what does it look like to be a people who reach others with the love of God? What does it look like? I'm gonna give you four words. Number one, available. Number one, what does it look like to be a people who reach people with the love of God we're available. That means we're aware and responsive. Now, there's a negative part of availability. People have said to me, if God wants me or wants to use me, then he knows my number. He knows where I am. Now, we're not talking about a passive availability. We're talking about an availability that's a, paying attention to God, that's aware of God, and that's responsive to God. Do you hear that? It's not this thing of, well, God can use me if he wants to. No, it's a, God, use me. God, I want to be aware. I want to be available. I want to be receptive. Jesus was aware of, Jesus was available to, and Jesus was responsive to the Father through their mutual relationship. God led Jesus through Samaria on the way to Galilee, according to John 4, 4. And as a fully human person, Jesus was exhausted. He was fatigued. He was thirsty. So he sat down at the well. He was even too tired to go into the city, into the town with the disciples. He sent them on ahead. But even in his thirst, even in his fatigue, even in the severe Texas cold, Jesus was available. Jesus was available to his father. Jesus was responsive to the Spirit, and he enters into a conversation, and that violated every cultural norm. Number one, rabbis, Jewish rabbis would not talk to women, not even their wives in public. There was a disdain for women in the cultures, and there was a thing. And then a rabbi, a theologian, is not going to talk theology with a commoner because they're not educated. They're, they don't know anything. And so he's not going to enter into a theological discussion. And then there's this thing of being tainted. You know, if you hang out with the unclean, if you hang out with people that are the other, that are the dirty. Listen, there are cultural norms that says don't talk to that person. Don't do this. Don't, do, don't say that. Don't reach out to them. And Jesus just blows every norm out of the water. Because he's what? He's available. Again, He's responsive. He's paying attention to what the Father is doing. Here are some questions that we can ask that will help us to ascertain our availability. Am I fully present to God in my spheres of influence? Am I fully present to God in my spheres of influence? Or when I'm doing my thing, I just do my thing, and then I pick up with God after my thing is over. So like at work. Am I fully present to the Lord around those where I live, work, and play? Where I live, work, and play? Am I fully aware? Am I fully present to the Lord with my family? Am I getting to know the Lord and to feel what he feels for others? 
Am I growing in my capacity to love God? Am I growing in my capacity to love others? God is love. If you want to know if you're growing in becoming more like Christ, are we growing in our capacity to love both God and to love others? Am I asking the Lord to help me to feel what he feels, to love like he loves, and to reach others like he does? You see, we're not doing this. We're not saying, okay, we're supposed to reach others with the love of God. Now I'm going to make that happen. Listen, we do this in concert with God who's already at work, who's already on mission, who's already touching, who's already caring, who's already loving in our spheres of influence. So how do you know if you're available? Those are just some great questions to ask ask yourself. So how do we reach others with the love of God? Are we available? Available. And then the word organic organic, the word natural, the word organic. Jesus lived a life of communion with God, and it was normal for Jesus to spend time engaging in spiritual practices, both individually and corporally, that attuned him to the Father and to the Spirit. And Jesus shows us how to live a fully alive, fully human life in union with the Father, in surrender to the Spirit, and on mission with God. So reaching others with the love of God is gonna require something of you and me. It's actually gonna require you and me to live naturally supernatural lives. It's gonna require more of us than we have, but again, our lives have been invaded by the supernatural. Your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, has been invaded by God, by the Spirit of God, By the King, Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth, you're already a supernatural being. Did you know you're actually, if you know Jesus, and you've said yes to following Jesus and receiving the love of God, did you know you're actually an eternal being right now? You're going to live forever and ever and ever? Others have everlasting life, and they're going to spend that everlasting life somewhere, but if they don't know Jesus, it's separated from God. But when I got saved, I was actually put into the eternal God who has no beginning and has no end. Now that would be supernatural, right? Just for starters. That should make us, our minds go, something could be short-circuited. Reaching others with the love of God is going to cause us to live naturally supernatural lives. So we're going to meet people in the ordinariness of life, and we're going to have conversations with people and take an interest in them because it's natural to do that. But it's supernatural to watch what God's going to do with those divine appointments. So it's organic. It's natural. I don't, I don't want you to feel like I've got to make this happen again I said it, and I'm going to come back and summarize some assumptions that I make. But one of my first assumptions is God is at work. God is on mission in my spheres of influence. I'm not asking him to come and bless me and help me do my stuff. I am looking for what he's doing so I can join him on his mission. He's on mission. He's at work already. So if you have that viewpoint, that belief that he's already at work in the lives of people all around you. Our job is to be like the hounds of heaven and to pay attention and to get on point and say, I see you. How can I serve you? What do you want me to do? Oh, I now remember the story that I was going to tell you that I forgot why I was going to tell you the story that happened. So during the refreshing, 
It just came back to me. During the refreshing, God was coming and he was touching people. And the Holy Spirit just, this was the place where, you know, the glory fountain was just open and people were being touched. And this woman was at the altar and she was just crying and crying and wailing. And so as a pastor, it's my job to help whatever the Holy Spirit's doing. So I went up to her and I said, ma'am, what's going on? What do you need? She said, I'm lost, I'm lost, I need Jesus, I need Jesus. And so I did something that uh, I regret deeply, but I kicked back into an old model. If someone's lost, I know what they need. They need to repent, they need to believe Jesus, and they need to confess him as Lord, right? I just knew that because that's my training. So my training kicked in, and I said, well, do you know that God loves you? And are you willing to surrender your life to God? And do you want to pray right now and ask Jesus to come in your life? Yes, 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 please, I want to. And so I led her in the sinner's prayer. And then the crying just broke out again. And I said, ma'am, what's going on? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? I'm lost. I'm so lost. I need God. I need Jesus in my life. Well, if it didn't work the first time. So, ma'am, ma'am, do you know God loves you? Do you, do you want to receive Jesus right now? Yes. Do you, do you know God loves you and that he's here to meet with you? And if you'll just confess your sins, he'll forgive you of your sins and he'll come in and cleanse you and, and you will be born again. Is that what you want? Yes, yes, yes. So I led her in the sinner's prayer again. Then she just began to wail and cry. Ma'am, what's going on? I'm lost. I'm so lost. I need Jesus. Then it occurred to me, Lord, what are you doing? How can I serve what you're doing in this, in this lady's life? And he said, would you be quiet? And would you just pray for her? That wasn't in the training. So I, I just prayed for her. After about 10 or 15 minutes, the, you know the, the cry of pain, you can hear when people are crying out of pain, began became a, a cry of joy. And I said, ma'am, tell me what's going on. Jesus saved me. Jesus came into my life. Jesus is my Lord. She hadn't done anything right. But God saved her. Isn't that great? Man, that lesson has stayed with me all these years. I just, I hate botching it up, you know? And so, you know, Lord, what are you doing? And how can I bless what you're doing? How can I pay attention? How can I be in step? Jesus is at work in people's lives, so we want to get in step with Jesus and what he's doing. But I was taught, man, when you meet some somebody, just let them know that God loves them, that they're a sinner, and Jesus died on the cross to save them, and they just need to give their life to Jesus. And so you just, you just do that, and you go through the four spiritual laws and the Roman road, and you just lead them to Christ. That's what people need. No, there are some people that don't know who God is, right? And staying in step with Jesus is letting them know the God of love who is for them. They might not have had a father on earth that helped to model godliness to them or the loving, unconditional love of a father. They might need to know about God. They're not ready to follow him because they don't know who God is. Or maybe they know who God is, but they don't know who they are. Uh, that, that they were created in the image of God and that we've all sinned and so I've met people that knew who God was, but they didn't know that they needed God because their life was pretty good. And then I met people who knew who God was, knew that they 
were a sinner, knew that they were created for more and longed for more, but they didn't know who Jesus was. Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was some historical figure. He's somebody from the past, but he doesn't impact my life today. So how can I lead someone to follow Jesus when they don't know, maybe they don't know God, maybe they don't know who they are, maybe they don't know Jesus. But then I've talked to people who knew God was, knew who they were, knew who Jesus was, and I said, would there be any reason that you can't follow Jesus right now and just say yes to him? And they looked at me and said, I don't want that. Why? Because that means I've got to give up everything, and I don't want to do that. So what good is it just to pray a sinner's prayer? Do you see what I'm saying? Where is Jesus? Where is the Holy Spirit? What is the Father saying and doing? But, man, unlearning is hard work, like I did with that lady. I, I was, that was an amazing learning experience for me, unlearning. We've got to unlearn. Jesus with the Samaritan woman was amazing, right? Just amazing in what he did. So, if it's organic, we're going to have to learn how to converse with others well. So if we're going to talk with others well, convergence, if we're going to have a mutual dialogue, a mutual conversation, we've got to learn how to talk to people. First of all, we've got to learn how to listen. Most people have not been taught how to listen. Most of the time when somebody begins to talk to us, within two or three seconds, we're not paying attention to what they're saying anymore. We're actually formulating our answer, our correction, our, I've got to fix this person because they're broken. That's not listening well. That's not listening well. Listening well, active listening, means that we practice inquiry. We're listening to understand. So we're asking good questions like, how did you come to see it this way? I want to learn. How did, how did you come? What, what life experiences have you had that informed this? So active listening involves inquiry, asking really good questions. And then it involves listening with reflection, saying, hey, let me say back to you what I think I heard so that I can be sure I got it. You know, so much of the time when I have problems with people, it's in communication, misunderstanding. They said something and they used a word that meant something to me, but it meant something totally different to them. And now we're actually in an argument because I made an assumption about the word meant and I didn't ask, hey, can, that word, can you help me? What does that mean to you? What does that word mean to you? Like today, the word conservative, what does that word mean? Progressive, what does that word mean? Man, you make an assumption and you've, you've lost an opportunity to understand somebody. We, we're seeking to understand before being understood. But see, I was actually taught, when I was learning how to share the gospel, I was taught it was like a sales presentation. And I needed to have answers for every objection so that every no becomes a yes. I was actually taught that. And then when I got to Baylor and I was in business school and I'm learning marketing, I actually saw what I was taught in the marketing manual. Lord, is that what we're here to do is to market Jesus? Is that, we're here to make a sale no matter what? But we get off base and we forget to stay in step with the Spirit, with Jesus and the Father in people's lives. So, listening. Listen. You have to work at listening. You have to work at it. We're also listening in the wrong way. We're listening, do I agree? 
That pastor's up there just rambling. He talked a minute ago about using drugs. I wonder what drugs he's on, you know? It's medication. It's medication for my knee. Do I agree? Do I disagree? We, we listen for we agree, disagree, and we're formulating answers. We're not listening to understand. We're not listening to clarify. We're listening to get ready because we want to debate. Convergence. What we want to do is we want to interact, so we want to learn how to listen well, and we want to have dialogue, a conversation. We're not after a debate. Did you, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, she brought up the mountains, and she brought up where we worshiped, and she brought up all these things. And then when the Holy Spirit put his finger on the real heart of the issue, she said, I perceive that you're a prophet and shifted, you know, we got to talk about something else right now. But Jesus just kept on point. He didn't argue, he didn't debate, he didn't question. He just kept loving her and kept leaning in. Isn't that beautiful? Very sensitive. So if you're gonna converse well with others, we've gotta learn how to listen. And by the way, listening takes practice. So when you're in a conversation this afternoon with someone, just check in three seconds, am I listening? Am I asking good questions? Am I reflecting back to them what I think they're saying? Or am I formulating my responses, my corrections? This person needs to be taught, and I'm going to help them. Just check it. I guarantee you a lot of the time we're listening like that. We're getting triggered. We're getting triggered. And dialogue. Dialogue. We're listening to deeply understand, to be influenced by what others see, by what others are saying. Individuals who are well differentiated can actually engage in dialogue without giving up their view. So this is what I think, feel, and believe. They get to say what they think, feel, and believe, and we still work to stay connected. That's not what we're doing in our culture today. If you don't think what I feel, and if you don't think, if you don't think what I think and feel what I feel, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. How's that working for us? And then uh, if you want to be organic in this, I want to give you a spiritual practice. It's called the transformation conversation. In my notes... I've got that there, but the transformation conversation is sharing with others what we've seen, heard, or experienced of the Lord. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, John begins that letter by saying, this is what we have seen, this is what we have heard, and this is what we have experienced. And he goes on to say about the joy, man, let me tell you what I've seen, heard, and experienced. The transformation conversation is learning to share what we've seen, heard, and experienced with others in a loving way. So I've got several questions that I carry around. I use them in small groups. I use them in my ministry teams. I use them when I meet people because conversation doesn't come naturally to me. I have to work at having a conversation and I've gotten really good at it through the years learning how to ask really good questions. But I'm asking myself questions like what am I celebrating? What am I celebrating? What am I learning? What challenge or challenge, challenges am I facing? What is the Lord putting his finger on in my life? What is the current reality that I have right now, but what's my preferred future? Like my preferred, my, my current reality is I've just gone through two surgeries. I'm in recovery. Three weeks after knee surgery, I'm doing better, but this is not where I want to be for the future, right? I want to be playing golf and I want to be walking, and I want to be go, able to go up and down our stairs, you know? 
That's a great future. I have high goals going up and down the stairs. What's the Lord putting his finger on in your life? What, what area of transformation are you working on currently? Where are you stuck? Where are you stopped? Where are you cynical? Where are you resigned? Where are you on mission with Jesus and others? And then, if none of those questions fit, just what do you need to say? Hey, this day's been a really bad day for me. Would you pray for me? Hey, for some reason, I'm irritated. I don't know why I'm irritated. Would you have patience with me? Those questions, I put them in there. Those are great questions. If you're stuck in conversations and don't know what, just say, hey, what are you learning? What transformation? How's it going? What's happening? Just ask some questions. And, and then we need to be willing to share because in a conversation, there's mutual sharing, right? So they share whatever they're sharing and then we get to share what we want to share. Now, in order to know what you've seen, heard, and experienced, you need a spiritual practice of reflection. Do you have time built into your busy schedule where you reflect with the Lord? Where you reflect? Do you reflect on your day? Do you reflect on what the Lord was doing in, in that encounter or that conversation? Are you asking yourself some of these questions? Are you doing, Pastor Steve has taught us, uh, the examine of life. It's just taking time to reflect, and, and, and I do it in writing, uh, is, how I re, is one of the ways that I reflect, but I also reflect just in the spirit and in prayer. But writing my prayers is very helpful for me. We need to, spend, we need to know the reason why some of us don't have conversations with people is because we've actually not written down what we've seen, heard, or experienced of the Lord. People ask us, well, why are you following the Lord? And we go, that's a really good question. Because right now, he's just squeezing me. We're not sharing with people about coming to Christ because following Jesus is hard work sometimes, right? Sometimes it's easy, but sometimes it's hard. But if you're, if you're focusing on what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've experienced, and you go, you know, right now I'm facing a challenge. But with God's help, he's going to help me. You know, right now I'm going through this. This is my current reality. You know what? I don't even know. This is so hot off the press. I don't even know what my preferred future is. I don't know what the answer is. But this is where I am, and, and I don't want to stay here. I know enough to stay. I don't want to stay here and act like this. Would you pray for me? Just being honest and open. But Christians, we act like we've got to have it all together. The secret is, other people know you don't have it all together. And so when we act like, you know, the only time we have a testimony is after it's finished. What good is that? But if, 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 if I, I'm sharing with Tom Petrie and Tom says, you know, God's putting his finger on this in my life and he wants to change this area of my life. Well, how are you doing with that? You know, it's really challenging and hard. But I've got faith in him because he's come through in the past. But again, this is kind of a challenge. And, and the person listening, they don't have a relationship with the Lord or they've not had a walk with Jesus. They go, well, my goodness, if God can talk to Tom, he can talk to me. Right? So we've got to have our testimony or our witness or a transformation conversation. And God's always doing stuff in Tom's life. Just ask him. So you've got to reflect. So how's your reflective life? Is reflection a regular spiritual practice for you? 
What we want to do is we want to be willing to risk and obey the leading of the Holy Spirit and the Lord in our lives. We want to stay tuned to God's voice, listening. We want to be obedient to the impulses of the Spirit. And then in the midst of what somebody's sharing, all of a sudden you'll hear a prayer request. And you go, or you might go, hey, how can I pray for you? But somebody in the midst of their sharing, they'll talk about their finances or their kids or their, their boss. Did y'all know there's some broken bosses out there? <laughs> So the question becomes really relevant, so how can I pray for you? <laughs> or what about just praying, just this organic, natural thing, just an anticipatory prayer? Say, Lord, would you help me just every so often? Would you give me the opportunity to lead someone to know you? Would you give me the opportunity to lead somebody to know you? This is who we are. It's organic. It's natural. So we need more than new methods. I've got a whole bunch of methods I could teach you. I've got a whole bunch of strategies. We need more than new strategies, new methods. What we need is a heart shift and a mind change. What we need is a heart shift and a mind change. God wants us to feel his burden for the lost, for dropouts, for prodigals, for the down and outs, for the up and outs for the other, the other who looks different than me, that talks differently than me, that believes differently than me, that is a different socioeconomic class than me. So we want to be available. I pray it becomes organic. And then a third word is intentional, and intentional, anticipatory. We intentionally seek to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives following the voice of our shepherd, the Lord Jesus. We want to ask God. So what we do is we ask God for divine appointments throughout our day. Again, making the assumption that God's at work in our spheres of influence. God, would you give me divine opportunities to interact with people in my spheres of influence? We want to be anticipatory. So we ask and we pray believing and expecting that God will answer our prayers. So don't pray the prayer, God, would you give me a chance to interact with somebody today and then just, just say double-mindedness, well, he's not going to do that. If you open the door, God will answer, right? God will answer. We want to be intentional. So we pray for prophetic words. God, would you give me prophetic words to share with people today? Words of encouragement, words that bind up, stir up, build up. Would you give me prophetic words for people today? Would you give me words of knowledge for people today so that people could hear your spirit? Do you, do you hear that anticipatory thing? We want to be a people who are intentional, intentional. So we need to pray. We need to say, God, since you're on mission, I want to join you on your mission. Would you help me? And again, I want to tell everybody, please have a long-term perspective, not a short-term view. Again, I said it, people are not projects. People are valuable. Every person you come across because they were created in the image of God. Amen? And then overflow. Overflow. So, so overflow is reaching people with the love of God. And that starts with each of us individually and corporately connecting with the God of love. We will, Calvary, it's this simple. We will talk about what we're passionate about. My goodness. 
There's, there's been the thing about oils. There's been the thing about diets. There's been the things about, what's the smelly stuff? Oh, it's oils, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we just, we talk about stuff that we get passionate about, right? We talk about stuff we're passionate about. What, man, if you get God's heart and you get next to God and you get excited about what he's excited about, you'll talk about it. That's why I, I pay attention to those, those questions. What's God up to in my life? Because I talk about it all the time. I'm talking about it in small group. I'm talking about it in large group. I'm talking about it with my friends. I'm talking about it with my family. I'm practicing constantly, constantly. And so God is at work in our life right now. Are you and I working out what God is working in and through us? Philippians chapter three, verse 12 and 13. God is already at work in my life. Am I just working it out? Is it, is it an overflow? We wanna practice having those healthy conversations. By the way, to become a good conversationalist, you gotta practice. You, you gotta practice and then you gotta reflect on your practice. Wow, that really didn't go well today. What did I do? Oh, I didn't listen well or I made an assumption or I butted in. Or when they said something, I began to tell my story instead of asking for their story. We want to be ready with the testimony of our lives. Here's the current activity of God in my life. Here's what God's doing in and around me. Here's what I've seen, heard, and experienced. So if you're walking with the Lord, you have something to share about God in your everyday, ordinary life. And we call it transformation conversations. And again, it gives an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak because God goes, the person goes, well, if God can speak to them, maybe he can speak to me. So God has called us to reach people with the love of God. Reaching others implies that we're available to God and others, that we practice our way to engage others organically or naturally with the love of God, that we intentionally overflow with the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the voice of our good shepherd, and that we overflow with love for God and others in such a way that we're compelled to join Jesus on his mission. We're compelled. So in my notes, it says, now preach about John chapter four, verse one to 42. But yea, verily, I'm listening to thee. And I hear that voice saying, don't do it. <laughs> Calvary, the word of the year, convergence. Reaching people with the love of God. Let's be available. Let's be organic. Let's be anticipatory, intentional, and let it overflow. Amen? Let it overflow. Practice every chance you get with believers so that it's so normal that you talk about this stuff with others. But we've got to learn some skills, practice of reflection, especially listening well and dialogue. We don't know how to dialogue. We only know how to debate in our culture. Now, not everybody. I'm around some really cool people. And you're cool. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Father, thank you that you're on mission already at work in our spheres of influence. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you're already at work in our lives, in the lives of others. And Father, I do pray right now for a heart shift and a mind change. Father, I pray that for my life. Father, Put your finger on the things in my life there that are dulling me, that I'm not living in this anticipatory way, God, this intentional way. Help me, oh God. Help, help this congregation, my family, oh God. 
God, I pray that you'll help us to feel your burden for the lost, for the dropouts, for the prodigals, for the down and outs, the up and outs, for the other. I pray that you'll infuse us with boldness to go and tell what we've seen, heard, and experienced. God, shift our hearts, change our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.